Greetings, my movie geeks. Welcome back to uh, the Mad Movie Podcast. Uh, also, reopening the X-Files. We've been away for a while, uh, and we are going to start again, so don't worry. But before we do, I've recently just put up a In Defense Of uh, episode on YouTube, which you can view, uh, follow the link in the comments. But I thought I'd make it a sound... Um, podcast too so have a listen see what you think it's all about terminator salvation and why it's actually a good film so we will be back with reopening x-files and mad movie podcast just watch this space and thanks for listening we'll see you later after careful consideration i've decided i'm going to do a couple of in defense of back to back from the same franchise some say the franchise peaked at the second movie some even say that the sequel outshines the first. Others say that I'm just padding to give myself a longer intro. They'd be right. I am, of course, talking about the Terminator franchise. First off, Please like, share, subscribe, and hit the bell icon to be notified when my videos are released every Wednesday. My position on the movies following Terminator 2 Judgment Day is that they all differ in tone and quality. But I'm going to do something slightly different. I'm going to defend the movie that I consider to be the best of all the sequels. I actually really enjoyed Terminator Salvation, and if you continue watching, you'll understand why. Or at least, think I'm alone. Terminator Salvation was directed by Muck G and stars Christian Bale and Tom Yelchin, Sam Worthington and Moon Bloodgood, and is the first, and sadly, the last to take place in the future for some unknown reason. The first instalment of a new Terminator trilogy, this film had the potential to be the star of a fantastic trilogy. The fact that it didn't has a lot more facets than just not making enough money at the box office and receiving negative reviews. But before we get into that, what was the story? Set in the far-flung future of 2018, after Judgment Day and the rise of the machines. Yes! I may do that one one day, but we'll get to that. Human Resistance headquarters are on a submarine in the Pacific. Kits of survivors all over the world. It is odd that there's not much nuclear fallout, but hey-ho, I know too little and we have a movie to get on with. John Connor is a part of the Resistance. He's not yet the leader, as we glimpsed at the beginning of T2. But given this was the start of the new trilogy, it makes sense. This shows that there was some strings of a story, some aspects thought to enable the character of John Connor to grow into what Sarah was told he would become. Possibly with the best interpretation of John Connor was the guy at the beginning of Team Terminator 2. But the John Connor story aspect is probably put on the back burner for our point of view character, who quite literally crawls out of the ground after the first action set piece that involves an attack 
on a Skynet antenna array. Marcus Wright is a death row inmate who we see in the opening of the movie, signing his body over to Cyberdyne Systems in 2003. And right here is where we have another link to the Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. It was set in 2003 and despite being what it is, it does tie into this film. Wright crawls out of the Skynet base after being glimpsed dead on a gurney surrounded by caged humans waiting to be experimented on. Sadly, and this can be said about most of the Terminator film trailers, the rug pull or twist is revealed. And for cinema, cinema goers in 2009, we knew exactly what Marcus Wright was. You think you're human? I am human. But looking at the final film, it was made to be a shock. The character doesn't know what he is, and despite many scenes of him being able to take humans down, sustain damage from Terminators, and from the environment itself, and if the audience didn't know he was a Terminator, the context clues would have made us aware, leading us to a satisfying twist that had never been done before. But then again, we had the trailer, so we already knew. This, again, happens uh, with Terminator Genesis, with John Connor walking out of the flames as a Terminator. It's like they can't hold the water when it comes to an idea. They're like, oh yeah, spoilers. Ugh. Skynet knows who Kyle Reese is and has a set list of characters it needs to collect to win the war against the humans. Kyle meets Marcus and they attempt to find John. But despite being a prototype infiltrator terminator, human hybrid throughout the movie, try saying that that's three times, Marcus wants nothing to do with the resistance or the war. He basically is just there to save himself. But at the moment he tries to leave, Skynet physically pushes him to do the opposite, as seen in the car chase with Carl Reese. Marcus fixes the car, trying to escape. He's gonna leave Carl behind, but before he can escape, Skynet sends a drone to chase him away. Keep it steady! I've never driven before! <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting about the story is that we haven't seen it before in any of the Terminator franchise. We've been giving snippets of the future here and there. Here we see it and the problem with seeing the future is that it doesn't exactly line up exactly with what was learnt during Carl Reese's story in the Terminator. When the infiltrators started to appear, the Terminators were the newest, the worst. Even so, Terminator 2 reset everything. So Judgment Day was later than was originally scheduled, uh, as seen in Terminator 3. It's arguable that what we saw in the Terminator had changed completely due to Terminator 2 changing the whole timeline. But also, it could still tie in completely with everything that has gone before. The same could be said about the later films and that they could all still tie in and 
if you do want to watch them all together, you can and they, they do still work. Take these changes at face value. Setting in the story of the two factions, humans and Terminators, uh, was well done. Earth is a wasteland. Cities have been razed to the ground. There are crew Terminators taking out small pockets of humans left and technologically Skynet has the upper hand. The story here is Marcus's story. He is who we're introduced to. He is our way into the world post-Judgment Day. Not John. And I think this works for the film. Yes, we get to see John's perspective on the front line, but we know where the story is going. We know where his story ends. We know he will become the future saviour. It's even in his initials, JC. Marcus, however, does a hell of a lot of heroism and even turns out to be part of the bad guy's plan. We will discuss the original ending later. Other characters include Carl Reese, played by the late Anton Yelchin, whom I think portrayed the young Reese extremely well and a hell of a lot better than Jai Courtney did in Genesis. There are some moments with this character where we see him hero worshipping John and even Marcus at points, stealing their lines to try and show strength without really knowing how to do it all. But despite changing the character to show a younger version of the one played by Michael Bean, uh, they wrote him in such a way to show youth as opposed to weakness. And I appreciated that they kept the line, come with me if you want to live, as his own. And come with me if you want to live. Lionside plays the leader of the resistance, General Hugh Ashdown, a man who is basically the stereotypical soldier who won't listen to anything, and in the end, is his undoing. Another link to Terminator 3, Bryce Dallas Howard portrays Catherine Brewster, Connor, the wife of John, who was introduced, uh, but portrayed by Claire Danes in Terminator 3. Moon Bloodgood plays Blair Williams, a battle-hardened fighter pilot who serves as the romantic interest for Marcus. She is the only one who sees Marcus for who he truly is. You know, an ex-con death row inmate, not a murdering machine. Under Bonham Carter portrays Dr. Serena Colgan, uh, the Cyberdyne employee who gets Marcus's signature to allow for his body to be donated to science. She also plays the face of Skynet in what I think is the best iteration of the brains behind the Terminator. Just an image on the screen, Skynet uses her face to ease Marcus when he encounters his master. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton cameo in a different way. Linda Hamilton lends her voice to the Sarah Connor tapes that John listens to. Tape 7, November 10. Where was I? And Schwarzenegger lends his facial features to the surprise T-800 at the climax of the film. And for me, it was a surprise. Slightly dated CGI now, but back in the cinema, in 2009, it was cutting edge. The filmmakers also work around the CGI by having the flesh get burnt off partway through the battle, which again was then used in uh, Terminator Genesis. Using Roland Kickinger, st uh, who was Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double in the previous film, was clever because Arnold couldn't reprise his role 
uh, due to being the governor of California. Looking at the film, you can tell that there are a lot of in-camera effects going on. There are a number of computer special effects too, but with the mix of practical and CGI, the blend between the two, I think is really good. With the film being the third sequel in the series that, <laughs> and one sequel away from the fantastic Terminator 2, the effects are done fairly well. The special effects were done by Industrial Light and Magic, with Salvation being one of the last films that Stan Winston worked on. McGee dedicating the film to Winston in the credits. Martin Lang designed uh, many of the Terminator machines, giving them a lived-in uh, and old worn feel. The T-600 being black and degraded, which adds to the wartime feel. Uh, the difference is seen here to T-2's future and the shiny new Terminators give this film an edge. I suggest that not even Skynet are at the same point that we see at the beginning of Terminator 2. The use of models, animatronics and even larger hand-built sets were used so the actors have something to act against. The effort gone into this film to make the effects look good is shown in the way they designed different types of Terminator robot. Even having Ducati uh, design the Moto Terminators that Connor overpowers and uses to ride to San Francisco. Terminator Salvation is a good attempt at a sequel set in the future that we only get glimpses of. It was a chance to breathe new blood into the franchise, and I'd say that it did succeed. I really enjoyed the film when I uh, saw it in the cinema. It was fresh, taking away the time travel aspect of the previous instalments, but also taking the technology of the Terminators back to something a little less advanced than the T-1000. But with the timeline being at a point that it builds towards it. Look at Terminator Dark Fate, where they do the opposite. It works well, and upon my rewatch, I still enjoy it, and I don't think it deserves the negativity that surrounds it. The lighting's a bit off though, isn't it? <laughs> Unfortunately, as of writing, Terminator Salvation has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 33%, with a 54% on the audience score. On a $200 million budget, it made $371.4 million at the box office, and being the first movie in a franchise not to reach number one domestically, because Night of the Museum 2 beat it. Despite all this, I feel Terminator Salvation stands as the best of the sequels after Terminator 2, <laughs> if that makes sense. And let's face it, there are enough sequels. As mentioned, it was supposed to kick off a new trilogy that would lead up to and most likely culminate with Kyle Reese going, being sent back to 1984, closing the circle. Unfortunately, the Halcyon Company had to file for Chapter 11 for bankruptcy protection. A Terminator 5 production was ceased at this point. The rights were then put up for auction and sold. A new sequel was intended to be made that followed on from the first two instalments. Again, you know, we've seen that again. Uh, but this would have been an animated title 
Terminator 3000. But that never came to fruition. And the rest is history. An announcement that a new sequel would be produced, Terminator Genesis, and would bring back Arnold Schwarzenegger and move the series back to the time travel aspect that was missing from Salvation. Spoiler alert, that failed too. And we got yet another reboot, which also failed. But I would argue that if they picked up where Salvation left off, i go see that. Would you? As I said, the original ending of this is twisty, and I think if it had been kept, then this would be a different story. John Connor was supposed to die at the hands of the T-800, and Marcus would take on the form of Connor using his skin. But at the point he was taken over and becomes John Connor, his Skynet programming would kick in, and he would kill all the onlookers in the resistance, including Carl Reese. This would have been amazing. That would have left the audience wanting more, wondering where it would go. How it completely changes everything. But that ending didn't happen, so we can only dream. I'm Neil from the Movie Geek, and you've been watching In Defense Of. Thank you for watching. Please let me know what you thought of Terminator Salvation. If you enjoyed it, if you didn't enjoy it, let me know in the comments below. Please like, share, subscribe, and hit the bell icon to be notified every Wednesday when our videos are released. Do I want, no, no, don't shut me up. Am I gonna walk around and rip your fucking lights down? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.